Welcome to Making the Dough Show. I'm John Cohn. I'm Nate C. Murray. And uh, Happy New Year, Nate. It's Happy 2020. Happy New Year. It, it is. We have... Are you going to do it? Are you going to do the pun? We have 2020 vision. Oh, right? dear. No? Oh, that, dear. Too early uh, for that. T- today was the first day I had to write out the date, like, 2020. Uh, mm. And I, I came real close to fucking it up. It's 2020. Why are you even using pens? <laughs> That's true. It's yeah. true. I had to sign something because we're doing... Uh, I had to sign a stupid contract for wedding planning stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's fun. Lots of contracts. How's that going? It's coming along. Okay. Uh, We've got, you know, they tell you, okay, all you have to do right now is like this, 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 and this. And then you'll have some free time. You've got some space. But there's some stuff you've got to do really early. Um, But it turns out that's that's a total lie. Um, And everything is really early. And so (laughs) as as soon as we get done with that batch of things, they're like, well, yeah, but now there's the next batch. It's like... you, there was time now. There was time now. All time classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but nope, it just keeps on a rolling. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, speaking of rolling along, uh, we teased something last time, which felt like, you know, a, a decade ago. It was the season three premiere, Nate. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because right, we said we, we were well, going we did, to... Then we took winter break, as all good shows do. <laughs> sure, sure. So we're coming back on air. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're really excited to uh, officially announce our partnership with Deepwater Games. Right. Uh, to make Monstrosity. Yes. Um, that, for uh, a quick reminder, that is the monster drawing game that we had signed with Eric Slauson. Correct. Uh, all right. Speaking buddy. of monsters, yeah. Gizmo on the Gizmo, cast. Gizmo, get down, buddy. Sorry, he's very excited. He's got a, a ball, and he wants to play. Okay. Nate, you're not helping, buddy. Okay. Oh, no? All right. <laughs> Do all not right. engage. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, so uh, I went to PAX Unplugged this year, um, or rather, I guess last year now. Sure. Uh, but in December, I went to PAX Unplugged, and I spent the majority of my time running demos for Monstrosity over at Deepwater's booth, and then running Grindhouse demos over at Everything Epic's booth. Um, but I could not believe how much uh, people were into Monstrosity and how quickly. Yes, and that really, I mean, we already had high hopes. We knew Correct. that this was going to be a big game for us. Um, but really, I've never uh, experienced this before firsthand where I, I have people who go like really rush up and are yeah. like, okay, uh, I want to play. Oh, did they just finish? Can, can I play now? Can we do one more round? Right. Um, that sort of thing. You know, the game is so easy to describe the rules. It only takes 30 seconds to explain the game yep. to, a, to a demo crowd. Uh, and so you just jump right in. And um, one funny thing happened. A girl comes up and she goes, I really want to play this game. I love drawing games. I said, cool. So she plays it. She goes, I've only demoed two games at this show, and I've loved them both. The other one was a tattoo drawing game. And then this one. I said, well, you're in good company because they're both designed by the same person. Yes. Uh, so she, she was uh, his market. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, but it was a really good uh, show. Had yes. a lot of fun. I actually went out at night. Uh, yeah, which... I saw. I got <laughs> videos of that. I, I know it's you're not lying. I don't know. I don't like to go out at night when I'm at shows. Mostly, sure. I just want to sit at home and watch Tales from the Crypt loaded up on my computer. Right. Um, but this time, I I went out every single night. I did stuff. I was a social human being, uh, and that was actually pretty nice. 
Spread your wings. Good for you. That's it's, great. it's amazing what not having the crippling depression of doing a thousand pitches all day. Uh, I know that you're a pitch man and you like the salesman and the marketing aspect. Guys, can you not squeak that right now? Sorry. Um, but uh, but for me, it is a horrible experience that is just traumatic in every way of pitching games. So uh, I, I'm glad that we're now. And now we can also talk a little bit more that segues into what you're doing in a week. I'm going to pack South. Yeah. I promised to go back to shows and I'm going back to shows in January to just jump right in off, off the deep end with deep water. Yeah. Uh, so I will be at that booth mostly. Okay. Um, demoing monstrosity and building hype as we're now aiming at what looks like a Gen Con release. Yep. Uh, straight to retail, no Kickstarter yet. Right. Uh, and so I'll be building hype for that. And then uh, seeing as we are now moving more towards a design studio pathway, I will be talking with different publishers and showing them our book of wares and looking for other partners. This partnership with Deepwater could be the only one we pursue. And, you know, Nolan and Jacob have been great to work with. Yeah. And they're very interested in more projects. But we have a couple that I don't know they, they're going to want. And so sure. I might find homes for those. Well, um, and it's not just a couple. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. We were looking at the games between us designing and mm-hmm. other designers that we've signed. We're sitting on 11 games right, right. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a full that's a full company for anyone. That's a full company. So you know why not spread our wings a little bit and yeah. and see who's interested. And we've got some games that fit different audiences, games that would fit different publishers. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think uh, having a number of pitch meetings. I know you probably still need to do some email. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll walk up and smile. Don't worry about it. Uh, or you can email us <laughs> But we're going to make a bunch of sell sheets. That's something we're going to do after we're done recording. We're going to figure out um, exactly what we want to do on our sell sheets. Yep. And we're going to have 11 sell sheets and probably two prototypes um, that you take with your uh, to Pack South. And hopefully we can start... Um, having you handle more of the yeah, pitch. I'll do. I'll take over the pitching. That's, yeah, that'll be the new thing. If you want to talk on that end, talk to me. And if you're going to be at Pack South, uh, let's definitely get a beer and you know play some games. So yeah. if you know how to find me, great. And if not, uh, message uh, Bread and Circuses on Facebook, and I'll get right back to you. And we'll hang out in San Antonio. Yeah, or email at uh, Bread and Circuses Rocks at Gmail dot com. That's us. All right. Cool. Well, now we've gotten some of. Uh, that's the, the business. Official, the official there you go. business stuff. Yeah. Well, let's, let's have a little bit of fun. I've been wanting to do this uh, for a little you bit. You had this idea. I don't think anyone does this. No, this is a brand new idea. Okay. I think we should Great. patent it. Uh, yeah. It is our, it's a top games of 2019. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm going to go out with a crazy number. Top five. Okay. Top All right. five wow. games. So we'll wow. give a little bit. We'll each hit. Sizzling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's pretty out there. Yeah. So we're going to start at number five, and we're going to work our way down okay. to number one. Um, I have a feeling we may have a little bit of overlap uh, in some areas. Probably, probably at the one spot. So. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's fine. We And then we'll just talk a little bit about what we liked about uh, the game. And, okay. and there. So I'll start with number five. Uh, for me, my number five was Court of the Dead, Mourner's Call. I would uh, like to play this. Yeah, this is a game from the op. It is a worker placement game at its core. Uh, but it has a lot of elements that I really like uh, in other games, such as like drafting. Um, it's Love got draft. e- uh, every round has a full drafting, and these are all of kind of the special powers that you get. Um, so it's got really good drafting. It's got a, some take that, which you know I love. Yes. Uh, and it's got some engine building, which is is great. It's kind of like a better version of uh, I, I gotta keep calling it Hearthstone, but it's not. It's um, 
Uh, I can't get close to what you're thinking. It's the it's the Stegmeier game. Um, Charterstone. Charterstone. It's a little bit like Charterstone without the legacy and better balanced. Okay. Um, So you know, Charterstone. The first couple times we played it, and we thought, oh, this game's really cool. It's a fun engine building, you Mm -hmm. know, um, play worker placement. But then we realized that the game was very unbalanced, and the same two people kept winning over and over again. Mm -hmm. Court of the Dead is not a legacy game, so you're not going to fall into the campaign pitfalls that that Charterstone did. But um, it, it holds a lot of the same DNA as that game um, in the best way. And it's, a, I think, my, for my money, a much cooler aesthetic because you're all the forces of hell um, fighting against each other and, and kind of squabbling. Nice. Uh, a really cool game, lots of miniatures. Uh, I got it through Kickstarter, but it's out for retail now. Yep. Uh, and uh, I really, if you like your games, medium heavy. I don't go heavy with okay. Euros, right, right. Yeah, typically. Yeah. But this is about as heavy of a game as I want to play. Okay. Uh, and it's a total blast. Nice. So, yeah, right. number five, Court of the Dead, Mourner's Call. Okay. Uh, my number five is Towers of Arcanos. Arcanos? I don't know. I think However you Arcanos. say it. Arcanos. Yeah. Towers of Arcanos from uh, IDW. And this was a Kickstarter, but IDW brought it to trade. It is a worker placement victory point game mm-hmm. uh, in which you play as wizards, playing your minions or your wizard meeple onto different towers around the board. And when you place onto the towers, you're going to gain a different ability that's going to aid you in your quest to score victory points. How do you place, you ask? Thank you for asking. Uh, The beginning of each round, it's a bag pool of multicolored dice, Mm -hmm. much like uh, Sagrada. And then you'll do, depending on player count, you'll do kind of a snake draft of these dice and placing on the different towers are constrictions. So, you know, you might only be able to play orange odd dice on one tower or blue above six, above four on another tower. And so the drafting is a really unique... I think we both like drafting a lot, and I yeah. love it. So it's a really fun, um, you know, my favorite kind of gameplay. I always My strategy is always stubborn or spite. I okay. stubbornly stick to my plan, mm-hmm. and I only deviate to spite someone else's plan. <laughs> so I stubborn or spite, so drafting leans into that pretty hard. So you're either stubbornly going for what you want to score your towers, or you're going, wow, that, that would help John too much if I let that die fall to him. Yeah, um, It's got a good, lot of good uh, mitigation so that there's not a complete take that element. If there's a dice that does not fit to any of the active towers, there's kind of a passive, low-scoring, mimbly tower in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, lower points, but it gives you a power you can use later. Uh, very tight game, eight rounds. Uh, has a nice table presence because the towers actually stack. So you're placing your meeples, and then when that tower fills up with three meeples, you lay the next t- uh, tile on top of those meeples. So you can yeah. have kind of a vertical presence. Well, and it's very not pretty. just the vertical presence, because the verticality actually has a point, a part of the Correct. mechanics. Correct. Yeah, it ups your scoring. So you, you right. see players racing for the higher tower, towers, so it kind of uh, naturally makes it really beautiful as people all pile onto the one high-scoring row. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an expansion that adds a lot of different modular, modular expansion content. Yep. So you've got all kinds of things, more things you can draft, mercenaries and monsters, and you know, there's a couple different uh, really spidey, interesting things that, that go on with this uh, actual Tower of Arcanos power. So um, all in all, a wonderful effort. Two to four players, uh, super or quick. There's 20, a fifth 30 player minutes. expansion fifth, too. Fifth player in the expansion. Yeah, uh, doesn't overstay its welcome, but uh, a lot of tactile, great decision making. Really, really pretty. Uh, great game. The, this game kind of took over the spot that we had previously used for um, Thanos Rising. 
Okay. We played that a lot in 2018, going into 2019. Uh, and then we got Arkanos, and that has sort of filled that space for us. It's a, it is a great game. It's a big hit on yeah. Friday Night Game yeah, Nights. Yeah, it's excellent. Cool. So that's your number five. Uh, okay, my number four is, uh, actually, we already mentioned it a little bit, Tattoo Stories from okay. Bicycle Games, okay. designed by Eric Slauson. Uh, I know you're shocked that um, we signed a game from somebody who makes games that we like. Correct. <laughs> you know. uh, so it may come totally out of left field that I enjoy drawing games. I enjoy games that have a lot of creativity involved and um, save my having to explain a lot of rules. That's one of the nice things. I, right. I do have a Friday that's night game group that's too. very casual. It's the most casual group. And sometimes... Um, Still waiting on my invite. You know, we're, we're, we're sitting at eight people <laughs> most nights. And it's just, that sounds it's just no room. <laughs> no, I, I apologize. Um, but the cool thing about Tattoo Stories is it is you get some really crazy drawings. It's always fun drawing stuff. And the game takes a little to no explanation to get it started. Um, and so we've had a lot of fun playing Tattoo Stories. The basic concept is that one person is a client. They are asking everybody else um, that they want to get a tattoo. But it has to have a bunch of different elements that maybe don't seem like they go together super well. So you have 10 cards of different elements like uh, a, a hula skirt or a name written backwards so it's visible in the mirror. That's one of my favorites. Or like a motorcycle, flames, whatever. And so you pick five of those cards, you lay them out, and you say, my tattoo that you're going to draw has to incorporate all of these five elements. So everybody does their drawing, and then um, and this is kind of something I, I like too, is they reveal their picture and then have to describe why they think you like this. Nice. And so you're not just drawing what you think is the coolest, you're drawing what you think they would appreciate as the coolest. Um, and so, uh, you know, we have somebody who's like a huge Captain America fan. And so he had something where he was like, he wanted a car. So somebody made the, all of the wheels Captain America shields. Okay. And so he was like, well, I love this. Right, right. You know? Like, yeah. So you're, you you got to play to the person. It's a little bit like how um, Apples to Apples or, or Cards Against Humanity has that, like, I'm not just playing against everyone else. Right. I'm playing to you. Um, and that's just always a fun thing that adds that extra layer, especially if you do have a close group of friends that you're playing with. Um, it just, it kind of, it becomes an inside joke machine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, Tattoo Stories, it's from Bicycle Games and it's it's available now. And, and this will be the big tell because we did pass on tattoo stories to sign monstrosity. We did. We yeah, did. we right. did. So we'll see if we put our money where our mouth is because we had the option of either of these games. And we, we did. went with monstrosity. So. I, you know, I, I still stand by our choice. I, I think, do too. I, I think, think monstrosity. Uh, it's more suited for what our skill set is. Yeah, um, we love and with deep water And with deep water, how we could promote it, whereas we could not have gotten tattoo stories off the ground like Bicycle did. No. So not, at all. Uh, not even close. So it was the right fit for us. All right. So my number four, uh, going back to the IDW well, and this is where the well will run dry. Okay. Uh, Tanari <clears throat> by yeah. Bruno Faduti. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tanari is an excellent little tiny game for two. Well, it says two to four, but don't play it two. It's for three to four players, really. And it shines at four. That's where you want to be playing. Three is still wonderful. So Tanari is um, a set collection game in which you are trying to score the most victory points. Um, think, uh, boy, like it's almost a Sushi Go meets Saikatsu, if anybody plays that. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, you are a fisherman, so a boat starts in the middle. And surrounding the boat is uh, tiles with different fish icons on them. 
And so there could be, you know, redfish or bluefish, yellowfish, and then there's some modifiers. So you'll have um, shrimp, which are always negative, or another fish that's a bunch of points, but you can only get to it by a special move condition. Right. Um, and then you, you very quickly are moving the boat. There's only one boat. So I'll move. The player to my left will move. You collect the tile that you land on, and then that space is gone off the board forever. I would say, it, you know, it's a 10 or 15 minute game. Yeah. Now you're sitting here going, okay, that sounds fine. But here's the trick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, what happens in endgame scoring is that every player scores both their points <clears throat> and the player to their left's points. So if I'm playing next to John, I'll want to set him up. I want to be looking at what he's collecting. Maybe he's collecting yellowfish. I want to maneuver him in such a way that he's going to be able to make a turn to get a yellowfish, but also not aid the person to his left because John shares points with Delaney to his left. And so he's looking to help them, not so much me. He's just getting fed by me, but he's helping Delaney. And it's this wonderful little ticky-tacky, really knife-fighty game, uh, best played with pretty tactical people who yep. care. Um, I, I, found, I will be honest, I've found this to be group-dependent. Yeah. I played this with uh, you, Ryan, and Spencer from right. IW Games, and it was the most fun I could have had because it was four game minds all at the table, really going. And then you got Ryan and myself who play a very, very similar brand <laughs> of board game in which it's, oh, attack him, what, me, never, you know, and typically we're yelling at each other about it. So um, that's really fun. But I have seen people who don't, you know, if you have a weak link to your left and that's your points and they're just mooping and mopping and getting through a game, um, this can suffer from that. But yeah. it's so fast that it's still worth it. I, I, you can do a game in eight minutes if you want. You know what's funny? I'd call it a take that game, but it's a take that in a genuine, earnest, helpful way. No, please, take, take that. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. It's it's take that the game. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, but but in a positive light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, lovely thing, um, super super fast. Really nice tactile chunky bits. They're the same disc as Saikatsu, kind of the almost uh, poker chip, but not quite like the flat sided. Nice engravings. Uh, super fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've played that with you, and I've played it uh, a couple more times, and it is a super fun game and just really fast. It's, yeah, it's a great opener or yep. closer for a night. Absolutely. All right, on to number three. Uh, my number three is Dice Throne, season two. Uh, it's from Roxley Games. I don't know the designer offhand, um, but it's a great game. It is a head-to-head -head battle game that is also Yahtzee. Oh, yeah, I might talk you into playing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we should play this. That. This uh, is really good. It's a really solid game. And so, uh, first of all, the components on it are so well done. So everybody uh, has their own character that they choose at the beginning of the game. Um, there's like a pirate, a ghost pirate. There's a vampire queen. Uh, there's a samurai, a gunslinger. So uh, a bunch of these different very stylized characters. Um, they kind of feel very kind of Blizzard overwatch e. In, in art design. Um, and so you get a box that basically has your own set of custom tool dice with their own custom faces just for your character. You get a bunch of custom tokens for your character, a whole deck of personalized cards, and this big sheet. And it's, it's Yahtzee. So it's saying, um, you know, if you roll your dice and you get three of one face and two of another, that's basically a full house. And uh, you can use that full house to... Uh, perform a special kind of attack against your opponent. Uh, and it is full of upgrades and um, takedowns, buffs, debuffs, sneaky moves. Every character plays so uniquely that once you play the game, you immediately want to pick it up and play it again with a different character True. just to see how they work. 
Uh, I, I remember I played it the first time with, I think, the samurai, and he was great as a 1v1 character. Um, but then I tried it out with the huntress, and she has a pet that has its own health and provides a bunch of damage bu- uh, buffs to her. And it was almost it's pl- like playing a totally different game. So I haven't played season one of Dice Throne, uh, but from what I have heard from other people who've played both versions, season two is really the place where you, if you want to pick it up, pick it okay. up there. Cool. Um, just because the characters have a little bit more flavor, a little bit more personality, um, and you're going to have um, a, a little bit more of a, a well-curated experience if you cool. get number two. I'm still thinking about picking up season one just because I love this game so much that I want to more build content, up the roster. Right? Yeah, I want yeah. more content. And I want them to come out with a season three. Right. I want to see more of this. This is definitely a game that is worth the shelf space uh, if you're going to be expanding it and having multiple boxes. I'm all in. Nice. As long as there's more content in this game, I will probably always buy yeah, it and be ready good. to play it. At two players, at three players, at four players, it is fantastic. You technically can go higher than that, but I... I haven't, but I don't see it working that great. Okay, yeah. Beyond four, huh. um, you can do team battles. You can do melees. Um, you know, one v one is is kind of the sweet spot, I think, nice. for me. Uh, but yeah, really great game if you like those kind of head to head battle games and you like chuck and dice with a surprising amount of strategy for such a simple concept. Um, Dice Throne is the way to go. I couldn't recommend a better game. Yeah, that's really fun. I I do hope we play that today. Uh, (laughs) All right. In uh, some, we have similar threes in that we both have kind of uh, attacky, what do you call these kind of games? I don't know. Like a head to head. Yeah, head to head card game. Yeah. So my number three is Keyforge. Mm. And I know it came out in 2018. But there was a bunch of expansions in 2018. Expansions just dropped. And so uh, Keyforge is the, the big. Uh, it's the game by Richard Garfield, who right. created Magic the Gathering, and then got mad at Magic for its pay-to-win uh, meta mm-hmm. that came out, and he's been pretty public about that. And so he said, okay, how do I fix that? And what he did to fix it was create the Keyforge system, which is each deck in the system, in the game, is completely unique and cannot be broken down by tournament law anyway. So you get your deck of 30 cards, and that deck is uh, collated differently than any other deck. The set of cards is the same, but the collation is what sets it apart. So I might have a different, you know, set of monsters than you. There's different factions, all that. Uh, and here's what I like about it. It's an old man game. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I mean, John, I, we, I played a bunch. I bought a bunch of decks. I set it aside. Then I saw expansions come out. And I went, oh, should I buy those? Now, in a typical competitive game like a Magic, the answer would be, Ugh, no, because the investment to get back in the game and catch up to the meta and do all of those things to be anywhere near competitive and not blown up by my friends is too much once the train has driven by my station. Mm-hmm. With Keyforge, all I have to do to get back in the meta is go buy a pack. Right. And say, hey, dude, <clears throat> you know, to, or to level the playing field, do me a favor and don't play with one of your decks. Here's a pack for you. Let's play blind. Sure. Let's have fun. So I know that Keyforge will be with me as long as it's around because... It's always just the add-on at the game shop. You know, it's like, oh, I'm checking out. I'll throw in a Keyforge deck, and then we can play. So I don't, ha- I don't have the tension to keep up to- with it. I don't feel, you know, like, like a Games Workshop thing where every quarter you have to buy in or magic for the whole set you have to buy in. It's just check in, check out when you like. Hey, dude, you got a busy quarter? Okay, we'll see you next time. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. It's low stress. It's short time. It's a very nice system, very pleasing. Good little game. 
Key Absolutely. Porsche. And it's got a nice system in place if, you know, sometimes some decks counter other decks really well, mm-hmm. or some decks are maybe just a little underpowered or overpowered. And there's actually a system in place for this game if you're going to be playing multiple rounds with the same decks that is like a handicap system. Yeah, super so fun. So if you are clearly having a dominating deck... Um, there are handicaps that that um, in the form of I think they call them chains. There's chains, and you can yeah. bid on chains too. You can also do that. So right. you could do a pool <laughs> handicap, which would be very simple. If we were going to find out how much better your deck was to mine, we could continually ratchet up the chains to find where we felt these were balanced. But if we want, wanted to instead not have ownership of the decks and just decide, hey, I'm going to grab this one, you grab that one, what we can do is bid on how much of a handicap we're willing to take for the good deck. Mm-hmm. And that's a really fun mechanic to me. It's like I'm willing to cut off my leg because I'm still stronger with one leg and two beastly cl- crab claw arms than your spindly <laughs> b- bard loot, loot liar. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so and it's got fantastic art. It's a beautiful Lovely game. Art, yep. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I love Keyforge. Man, I would play that with you as well. There you go. <laughs> we might just game. Right. All right, um, so number two for me is Batman Gotham City Chronicles. So uh, anybody who's been following this podcast would probably know that this is this is a high slot for me. Uh, it's a great game. I had missed the monolith uh, Conan game when it originally mm-hmm. came out, but I'd heard great things. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not a big Conan fan, right? And it was a very expensive game, so I kind of passed. Um, when they came out with Batman Gotham City Chronicles, it, it kind of hit a sweet spot of three things for me. First, it, it basically is a reskin, re-implementation of the Conan game. Um, two, it is Batman, which is maybe my favorite license of all time. Right. Um, and three, it's a miniatures game with a ton of minis, and I love painting minis. So I thought, ooh, I, I have to get this. So I went all in on season one when it came out. Um, it, now, this game is Kickstarter only. Uh, they've done one Kickstarter every year now, and they're just kind of keep expanding it. So mm-hmm. if, if you've missed it, um, there's still going to be a time to get it, but you're probably going to have to time it properly um, sure. to get it on a Kickstarter. eBay exists. Or eBay, or I'm sure pretty you're soon fine. they're going to do the backer kit thing where they're like, late pledges, available now. Right. Yep. Uh, so, But it's a really great campaign or... Um, Campaign's not really. It's scenario-based. It's a scenario-based game. It's very much not the like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm the hero. I'm going to punch you, the villain, and then I'm going to punch you back. Right. This is like, okay, Joker has um, the mayor's aide tied up in front of a, uh, on top of a pit at Ace Chemicals, and he's lowering it every round. And if Batman can't deactivate five special computers by that point in time then the mayor gets dropped in and and the villains win so it's an asymmetrical game it plays up to 3v1 it can go 1v1 2v1 or Mm -hmm. 3v1 one person is always going to be handling all the villains so they're going to have a super villain character you know joker mad hatter uh redler one of them and then a bunch of goons and then the other team will be um a few different heroes and it can be you kind of get to choose but you don't get to choose from a whole roster you choose from like a select roster of like, okay, I could choose Batman for one spot, but then the other spot I could either choose like Robin or Huntress. Um, by the way, the right choice is Robin because okay. Huntress kind of sucked. Okay. Uh, but it's a really fun, really intense scenario game with some uh, pretty great minis. That was a lot of fun painting the minis, especially uh, Scarecrow was a blast. Oh, that was a good mini. It was a That's good a cool mini one. Yeah. and it was a good game for table talk. 
I like yeah. table talk right. a lot. Yeah, a lot of strategizing, a lot of table talk. Right, yeah. and it's fun on both ends. It's fun being on the hero team and sitting with somebody else and being like, what should we do? Okay, if we right. do this, he's going to do that. Yep. Oh, but I don't think he's going to do... Okay, all right, we got this, yeah. right? And then the villain is just sitting there smiling knowingly because he's he's anticipated this right? Uh, and, and is, is kind of springing a trap. So uh, that that's Batman Gotham City Chronicles. It's a little expensive. It's a little hard to get. But if you love Batman and if you love scenario-based games, um, it's great. The only big downside about it, and this is why it ended up not being number one, is because the rule book um, is oh, translated from French. Yeah. And it is brutal. It yeah. is hard to understand. Yeah. I had to reread the scenarios four or five times before we'd start the game. And sometimes I'd even have to reference on Board Game Geek because I'm like, I do not understand what they're saying. Here. Yeah. It was very poorly worded. And so um, you really need to <laughs> understand what's going on in the game in order to play it. Um, and the, the rule book in general is garbage in that okay. game. You really have to watch a 10-minute tutorial video online, also in thick French accents, um, to be able to learn how to play the game. So the investment is high right. in order yeah. to get into this game, and you're going to have some moments where you go, oh, crap, did we play this whole scenario wrong because I didn't understand this broken English? Yeah. So with that conceit in mind, I still would really recommend the game. Nice. All right. Well, yeah, I, I would recommend that game as well and have John teach you. That's that's how I got over the rule book. Uh, my number two, also a dungeon crawl. It's uh, Resident Evil Two. Uh, not that ba- Batman couldn't be my number two because really it was so good. But Resident Evil, uh, I'm a huge fan of that game. That I sat with my cousin, played so much. We you know we played hours and hours. We just replayed it actually with the uh, remix. So um, it it captures what I liked about it so much was that it captured the feel of what I liked in Resident Evil. Uh, which was resource management mm-hmm. and really arguing over whether you could spend a magnum round on on a creature or not. It wasn't you were not a tough guy. I mean, you're tough, but they're tougher. And I like that in things. I don't want to be invincible. And the game really felt like that. It was, it was as Batman. It's it's got a natural clock of you know six rounds. The the girl hits the acid. This one had a clock of. <coughs> <coughs> this one had a clock of you're going to run out of stuff um, or you're, you're going to die. <laughs> so you had to move quick. You had to be scared on your toes the whole time. Again, really cool miniatures, um, yeah. really freaky, gross monsters, you know, mutating and all that. Uh, one we probably didn't get into enough, but one that I would happily revisit. Uh, it, again, for when you do a licensed product, it's capturing what's that one thing. Right. It's not like, can we hit a couple story beats and can we be kind of close to the mark? But it's what's the main thing about Resident Evil? The main thing about Resident Evil is fear and true feeling of the apocalypse. It's not guns flying everywhere. It's not Code Veronica with their unlimited guns. It's <laughs> Resident Evil 2 where it's, you know, running to find one more shotgun shell and dear God, I didn't find it. And, you know, my whole campaign is ended. It's that kind of tightness. And this board game carried that emotion through. And that was what's important to me. So, yeah, that's that's that. It was. It was a very cool game, uh, and I also I, I would play that some more. That mm-hmm. was a really good one. Yeah. Um, all right, so now number one, which... Should we go on three? <laughs> yeah, right. One, two, three. Marvel, Marvel Crisis, Crisis Protocol. Protocol. It is a fantastic game. It's the best game I played in 2019, and, and it, honestly, with the level that they are releasing content, with the rate they're releasing content... Um, it, it may end up being my game of 2020 as well. Um, it's it's so good. 
It's it's Marvel characters, and um, this is also a little bit like Batman in that it's it's kind of scenario based, but mm-hmm. it's but it, right. it's also objective a brawl. Based, but yeah. it's, it's objective based, but it's a brawl. Yeah. It's you can you can smash people, you can throw cars at people, you can pick up the Daily Bugle newsstand yeah. and throw it at someone. Yeah. And it is so easy to learn how to play this game. I am a huge fan of War Machine. I played War Machine mm-hmm. for years. I love Privateer Press. And it was no surprise when I read this uh, about this game that it is actually created by a bunch of former Privateer Press employees that went out and started a new company, um, Atomic Mass Games. Uh, so they took the kind of idea of this is a war game, this is a skirmish game, um, and they distilled it to its kind of purest, simplest form without stripping away all of the interesting stuff. This is the first war game that I have ever been able to teach somebody in five minutes. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. For something like this, where if you've ever played a skirmish kind of a war game, like, um, um, you know, War, war Machine, Warhammer, right. um, the Star Wars, uh, what was that, Legion, mm-hmm. uh, X-Wing, right. you know, any of those games, Malifaux, they require a lot of time and, un- and not just time, but understanding to be able right. to sit down and play the game. It's not just that I have to remember, learn the rules. It's that I have to remember 20 rules at any given moment because somebody else on the other side is going to be exploiting my one tiny mistake and punishing me severely right. for it. Yeah. And this game doesn't, doesn't do that nearly as much as those other games. And you can still get punished for making a really stupid decision, but it's not nearly as bad as in those games where you go, oh, crap, I forgot that this character has this one little, like, Ravager ability that triggers this, that t- triggers that, and then it creates this whole chain. Marvel's simple. It's If I'm playing as Spider-Man, then I know that I'm going to be moving around, I'm going to be knocking people off of stuff, I'm going to be webbing people right. up, I'm going to be grabbing objectives, and I'm going to be moving. Yep. Um, if I'm playing as the Hulk, I know that I'm going to go in and I'm going to smash. Right. I'm going to destroy. I'm going to throw things, throw people, all sorts of cool stuff. The game hits um, the theme, the license, right. so well. Yeah, it does. It feels like I'm playing as very unique Marvel superpowered characters. Right. Uh, and they have a pretty aggressive release schedule of more miniatures. Uh, right now, they just came out with their first post-launch release, which was Black Panther and Killmonger. Can't wait. They added a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff to the game. Uh, and then coming up really soon, we're going to start getting Thanos and Thor and Valkyrie and uh, Loki and Hela and a bunch of these cool characters. Venom is right around the corner who oh, I can't buddy. wait for. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, I could talk all day, but I feel like i got to give you some well, time to talk yeah. about the things you like about it. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. I loved it really had that feel. And you know what it had the feel of was like kind of a Saturday morning cartoon almost. It was mm-hmm. that you, you don't just show up to the town and fight. It's you show up to the town because there's bombs planted everywhere and you need to figure out what to do. And so you're really... And not everybody's getting knocked out exactly. People get hurt, but maybe only one or two guys go completely down. Typically, it's not a squash match. So it's just so so flavorful and and fun and cat and mouse and all that. And then speaking to the componentry, I, I just have to say, a way to know if I like a game or I'm really impressed is when I just start cussing at it. And every time John's showing me something, I'm going, oh, God damn it, really? And I'm just like, ah, Jesus, because I, I did this for so long. 
I've tried to make these things for so long. And when I see someone just knock it out of the park, it's like, oh, man, I'm still at the kids' table. And these guys knocked it out of the absolute park. Like, it's so beautiful and well done. And, and just you, you're playing with toys. It's, it's like if we were five and playing with our G.I. Joes and smash them against Cobra. So it, it just makes you happy. Whereas, you know, I think the number twos for both of us, Batman and Resident Evil, uh, I love them. But the, the way that my chest feels when I'm playing them is like, oh, God, don't, please don't. But in this one, I'm like, is he going to throw that building at me? That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, like, well, I'm going to throw one at him. But it's like, it's still kind of funny, like going, oh, God, like I fell in this trap, but fine, okay. Um, it's not as punitive. You know, you're going to, if you get a guy KO'd, it's, it's a pain in the ass, but you still, like one mistake doesn't feel like it'll end you. Whereas right. in some of these other things we're talking about, it really is so tight and so nasty um, and I, some days there's, there's games for that, but crisis is kind of a game that always would play. Yeah. Whereas, um, like a Batman or, a, <clears throat> or, um, Resident Evil, like you have to, I have to be mentally sound, which is something that, you know, my 2020 more, <laughs> my 2020 goals is that, but, um, you gotta be in that space to get your ass kicked right. where Mar- Marvel will find, we'll find out who kicks whose ass, you know, super fun. So yeah. can't say enough about it. I hope to be playing it for a long time. Uh, and you know the drafting selection of the heroes, yeah, stolen from HeroScape. Not stolen, but uh, one of my favorite parts of HeroScape is that the drafting of action cards. I'll I'll buy my own action deck and prep in, in the future. I mean, whatever. Sell, please. Hey guys, sell just action decks of all the cards, so I can play with my friend's stuff, and not duplicate minis. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, the other cool thing. So it is standard. It's a one v one game. So it's a two player game. Um, however, they've already released free expanded content digitally. Um, for oh, three players. Yeah, I want to play that. Yeah, so they Ross, right, what are you doing? Yeah, right. Um, they have a Ultron raid that came out. Yeah. So it's two players against a super powered version of Ultron. So, so you can cool. normally play as Ultron normally in the game, and you know he's he's as powerful as anyone else. Um, but then they came out with a new card that you could print out for his stats and his abilities, and he is a super boss, and he's trying to basically destroy the city. Uh, and you got to have two people team up to take him out. Uh, so, and they've got a lot more of this planned. Sure. They've already announced that they have a Thanos boss battle raid coming. Uh, they're integrating infinity gems into the game where certain characters can wield certain gems, but they cost your fielding points. Awesome. So you have, you know, you have a, a, yeah, yeah. a, an amount of points that you can spend on yeah. characters. Every character has a different, uh, cost to field them because some characters are more powerful than others. But you can actually, in lieu of taking other characters now coming soon, you can power up other characters by giving them infinity stones. So they've got some really cool ideas that are really out of the box and heavily thematic in the Marvel Universe to keep this game feeling fresh and new for hopefully uh, years. Yeah, and if you wonder why they give this stuff away free instead of charging for it, it's because in, in tabletop right now, there's so many games coming out that can mm-hmm. turn your head. So what you need to do is keep your fan base locked onto you. And a good way to do that in a game like this is dumping out free little things like that. And the other bonus to that is you get them talking, pulling in new people, but you also get to test stuff because if it's free and bad, okay, yeah, you just cares? fix it on the fly. You go, okay, wow, Ultron, <clears throat> Ultron was too powered. And you just dial that ratchet down by two, re-push it out, see what they think. So it's like you've created this nest of playtesters that are free, but you're giving them something. You're giving them little treats too. So it's a really positive relationship both ways. Yeah. So yeah, genius absolutely. marketing, genius execution, just a genius game. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so that... Speaking of genius. 
Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So now Boom! We're gonna, now we're going to take a sharp turn, and Nate and I are going to have an actual Star War. All right. Run the crawl. <laughs> I'm watching it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. this just hmm. in. Everything is terrible. Huh. Spoilers mm-hmm. ahead. Sp- okay. Heavy spoilers ahead for yeah. both uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. If you listen to this but haven't seen Star Wars, and, your priorities are incorrect. And Mandalorian. We're going to be spoiling oh, yeah, let's spoil everything all. from both. Let's spoil it all. Because let's, we're going let's fight to, both of them. We're going to have an argument. Yeah. Okay. All right. How do you want to start this? I will open with my thesis. Okay. All okay. right. John. It's called Star Wars. Yeah. Not star hanging out. Uh-huh. Not, oh. not sto- star the story of a guy. Oh, okay. Not star kung fu. Oh. It's Star Wars. Uh-huh. What I want out of my Star Wars <laughs> is grand epic scale escalation. I want to see the whole gallery, the stakes. I need stakes of the wars, not stakes of the shoulder pad. And so I present to you that episode nine while flawed is a satisfying conclusion to a nine-movie arc. Oh, my God. Given that there were restraints placed upon the last three films, which were directed by marketing, uh, and that was a problem. And it showed. The seams were cracked. J.J. did his absolute best to go, all right, I got to close it. Here's how to close that door. Uh, And so I would tell you, Star Wars comes to an end, and you're like, okay, cool. Mandalorian... Never takes off. It sputters like a junker on a sand planet. Uh, falls completely asleep for several episodes of its very short run. And then ends in a black. So uh, I, there you go. And, and convince me otherwise, but the stakes of Mandalorian do not align with what I view as Star Wars. Okay. Well, okay. So first of all, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. What was your thoughts on Solo. Solo, um, Solo was an unnecessary project. It was, it, it, Solo was, was just, I sat there the whole time going, why did they make this? Okay. Because that is not a Star War. Correct. Yeah. And, and I did not care for. Well, um, uh, did you watch any of the other Star Wars series? I mean, Clone Wars is Wars, but I Star watched Wars Rebels. Clone Wars. I did not watch Rebels. Okay. So... For you, it's just I'm just trying trying to frame what makes right. a good Star Wars product in your mind. It has to be Star Wars. And in your mind, the only thing that stands between a good Star Wars and a bad Star Wars is if an actual war is being. No, depicted. because I also didn't like Rogue One. <laughs> okay. So um, no, there's there's a balance of magic to technology. To there's there's interpersonal and war. There's a grandiose feel to it. It has to feel like an event. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So with, with that framing in mind then, that because that, I'm not going to argue with your personal taste, right? right. I'm not going to yes. argue that you feel that the Star Wars license but I think needs all, to be yeah. a grand battle of right. sorts. Um, I, I feel the simil- similarly about Star Trek, uh, mm-hmm. where Star Trek should be a small contemplative morality play right. and not a bang, bang, explosions, shoot them up. Motorcycles. A- a- yeah, action yeah. movie. Right. Um, and, and it doesn't matter how good the movie is, it's not Star Trek Correct. in my mind. Yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a different path. Okay. I'm just going to talk about structure and storytelling. Okay. Mandalorian uh-huh. tells... A story of a character. It is a small story. Right. Um, and it is the story of a guy who um, it, it, we can already tell from the first episode. Um, he thinks that he can be on his own. Clearly, he's not very good at this. Sure. He is marginal at best at what he does. Um, and he, he needs a lot of help. 
framed within the Star Wars universe, I found that to be incredibly refreshing. I found that to be new, and I found it to be interesting. Um, not having imme- every story immediately centered around a Jedi um, was was very refreshing to me. Uh, it set up in the first two episodes uh, a really solid story that basically covering Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, episode three, it became really interesting when he... The action figure episode. Yeah, when he uh, gets what he wants, mm-hmm. does does the thing where he gets his Beskar armor, which, by the way, best... This show was the best video game cutscene I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> we see his... Yeah. We understand armor right. as a character. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before in anything where I'm like, this inanimate piece of metal has a, such a story behind it that I've seen that I understand this character's motivation just mm-hmm. from seeing this alone. I thought that was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> I thought that... It's working so big right now. I uh. thought that the arc of the show was great. Now, while it did fall into a bit of a lull in the middle in which they didn't really push the main story forward, we learned some really interesting things about the character. And going back to your point about Star Wars being kind of strapping in for just a fun ride. Every episode felt like I was getting on a Disneyland ride. It was, let's go to a planet, let's figure out a reason for the baby not to walk or whatever, let's deal with a shitty Star Wars character, and let's go on a quick, well, it, pointless it, adventure, however, and let's get back to the ship. the stories... And Star the, Tours the Ride is better, you're right. The, the world building that they did on the show, which is one of the, I think, the best things I've seen in a long time in Star Wars, is that instead of trying to invent a thousand new things, they said, well, what do we have already that exists that we can work with? And how can we flesh that out further? So we took things like Jawas and had a whole episode framed around Jawas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. We've got we have seen vibroblades mm-hmm. through the expanded universe, through books, through video games, through cartoons for years. We have never seen them live action before, mm. and we saw it now. Um, Bill Burr's character in the heist episode had a shoulder-mounted uh, laser pistol, which Kyle Katarn has in the Shadows of the Empire video game. Mm-hmm. That's a deep dive. Um, um, uh, Gus, Grand Moff Gus Fring at the end yeah. has the Darksaber, a, a very powerful Mandalorian relic mm-hmm. that holds a lot of uh, significance within the expanded universe. There was a lot of really cool stuff, and it was all wrapped in some really interesting characters. If you had told me that I was going to be watching a show starring Pedro Pascal, where we never see his face, but he is a compelling, interesting character, I would have laughed at you. But they managed to do it in a really good way. Yes, Baby Yoda is stupid cute, and that's all he is, is a a little fuzzy little Muppet, but that's fine. you got to have some kid-friendly... you got to have some kid-friendly stuff in there. But, like, do it well. IG-11 was fantastic. I'll give you that. IG-11 was a great character. But but Yoda, Yoda, at one point, he's hovering in the thing. It's like, all right, fine. Yeah. And then, then he can't go on the mission. Okay, fine. But then he's, like, walking in a bar... Well, he wandered off. He's he is. He, we've we set him up pretty early yeah. as a as a very curious and mischievous little fifty year old creature. You just use as you saw fit. Oh, it's just so uh, cheap. Gina it's Carano cheap. was great. I thought yeah. she made for a very interesting character who we rounded back to. So it, yes, you may think that that episode where he goes to the planet and works with her is useless, but no, we came so back to it. Yeah, but let me let me point out something to you. Now I have okay. the episodes up on the screen. Okay. Now one through three, we could argue back and forth on taste. Yeah, uh, I thought there was no 
No way he didn't go back and say... I mean, did you think for a second he wasn't going to go back and save Baby Yoda? I thought he absolutely was, but you know what? I also didn't think that we were going to see him get his armor so early, and mm-hmm. to see him earn his armor and then choose to go back, I thought that that was a really cool thing. I thought that was okay. a very clever uh, okay. storytelling twist. Then we get to four, which is the beginning of the Star Trek episodes, which is visit a planet, deal with a thing. Right. That's Sanctuary. when he meets G- Gina right. Carano. Then we get to the true nader of Star Wars, Pointless episodes. So pointless, in fact, sir. I present you this. They didn't fucking name them. They did name them. You're just looking at an incomplete Well, I think page. it's a good metaphor, and I'm sticking with um, it. Episode five had had him um, learning a very valuable lesson about trusting other people. We understand that he, doesn't ha- he mm-hmm. has some trust issues. And by having a fledgling bounty hunter who betrays him um, as soon as he starts to trust him um, really hammers home why... Bounty hunters have no trust in why bounty hunters don't work together. Episode six was a heist, and I know you hated it, but it I will stand by that worst, episode. It was the worst episode. I it was of, a maybe blast. the worst episode of TV. Oh I my wa- God. Maybe the worst episode of TV I watched in 2019. Come on. The the effects for the the purple, the horny purple. You people? mean Clancy Brown? The effects for those two were fan fan made fiction are better. I go to I go to conventions and see far better. And then the whole fucking thing's in a hallway. It's all the same three door hallway the whole oh, time. You mean like Star Wars, A New Hope? The whole, the whole. No, movie. no, this is the exact same. <laughs> they, they still had the IKEA stickers on the fucking walls. This was terrible, terrible. So your problem with awful. the episode was production values? No, it just well because that was all I could focus on because the plot was boring as hell. So I started staring at the wall. I was, was I was watching wallpaper. Dry. It was a heist where so we learned that he has a past and he has made mistakes. Where Bobby from Sons of Anarchy. We also learned that he plays Bobby from that Sons he of does doesn't like to kill people unless necessary. And so that was an important lesson for him. And then we go into episode seven where he comes back with meets up with Carl Weathers again. Mm-hmm. Carl Weathers is like, man, I was going to betray you, but I decided not to. And uh, now we're going to work together. And I thought that was great. I love Carl Weathers. I thought that that was a great episode. Calls and it ended- kind of sounds like Lando. Yay. Cheap. They just call him Mando because it's a short for Mandalorian and nobody knows his name except for Grand Moff, Gus Fring, and mm-hmm. that's what makes that even more Fring's important cool. is that yeah. he knows his past. He knows his history, yeah. and that makes that even more significant. It makes everything more significant when you have it something like that, where it, we don't know his name for seven episodes, and then they're like, and we know that there's a reason why no one knows his name, right? And then all of a sudden, this guy says his name, and he's like, oh, shit, he knows me from this time at this mm-hmm. place. It's, it gives you so much more storytelling. I will argue. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get segue into episode yeah. nine. There is more characterization with the two scout troopers at the beginning of the finale than there were in Finn and Poe the entire ninth Star Wars movie. But it's too late for characterization. It's it's too you slap on the you no way. it was time to slap on the after it was the end no of a trilogy no the end you of a trilogy characterize. you go absolutely the end of trilogy is all give about give Chewie a medal and get the fuck out the way you're good the end of a trilogy is all about the characters paying off their stories and taking the things that we've learned about them and twisting them in an interesting and new way not it, Star Wars baby Darth fucking Vader man what well, are you talking him. about. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Luke and, ben and Leia's got that arc. relationship in, in Return of the Jedi and is very ben got important. The arc. Ben had no arc because his entire arc was someone just said the word Ben, and then he decided, I'm good now. It was his Martha moment. It was awful. And you 
rallied against Martha moment too. Yeah. It yeah. was terrible, yeah. Nate. It was yeah. fucking awful. Did you like Endgame? I loved Endgame. This was Endgame. No, it was not Endgame. Was Endgame. Even yeah. though they tried to, nine with Palpatine going, some TV shows I am the bullshit. dark side, and Ray goes, and no. I am Iron Man. She said, "Every I'm every Jedi. It was so She bad. was every woman, it was so and she was bad. every Jedi. If Finn's entire plot line, his entire arc, was reduced... Which one's Finn? Exactly. Was reduced to yeah, him I'm, shouting... I'm not kidding. I actually don't know which one Finn is. John Boyega's character. Okay, yeah, yeah. Was, was reduced to him shouting, Ray! That was his entire arc. No, not at all. His, his arc, arc was finding out that other uh, other defected defected stormtroopers exist. Because, that was his arc. Because we need to introduce a bunch of new characters at the end of oh, this I don't trilogy. Care about new characters, I'm done. Exactly. It yeah. didn't matter. They gave me my ninth. It I'm didn't out. matter. And that they spent so much time. They wasted so much time introducing new characters, new planets, new aliens. They went to three different planets on mm. a scavenger hunt. In the first hour and a half of this movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not what the that's not what the finale of a trilogy is supposed to be. The finale of a trilogy is paying off all the things that you have built up in the previous movies, and instead of trying to pay off things or explain things like why the fuck is Emperor Palpatine alive, instead they write in the opening crawl, Emperor Palpatine is alive for some reason. We're not going to bother explaining why. Uh, well, so who the- was Snoke? Uh, I I created Snoke. Why? I created no Snoke. For Maybe it's Star Wars. For what reason? How? How? Here's a question. So they oh. have this planet, okay, okay, that Emperor Palpatine is on. Kicking it. And yeah. they say that the only way you can find this planet is with one of two very special mm-hmm. Wayfinder maps, yeah. Yeah. okay? Yeah. So how did he play? How is he able to, first of all, get there after being presumed dead? Huh. Second of all, build a thousand star destroyers, right. each with a weapon that had the same power that was required previously to have a planet sized yeah. structure. So you either need a wayfinder to get there, or you need to be one of the hundreds of thousands of contractors who were hired to go oh, to this he was planet using, he was using and dead build, labor, man. and build thousands and thousands of ships, which but, they have also modernized to the point that they each have a planet destroying capability. Except right. they don't have any sort of radar to take off and right. get into yeah. atmosphere. It's your standard necro ship, bro. Because let's also go. This was this was the funniest moment of the whole movie for me. They're like, we're gonna need the ground crew to destroy the very small I'm weather vane. I'm gonna defend that moment. Our, that was that was a yawner. Our spaceships have blasters and bombs that can destroy starships, yeah. but we can't shoot down a weather vane. Yeah, that was a weird one. That was a that weird made moment. No that made no fucking sense. sense. Yeah, that was. Here's a question. Here's bothered. a question. Yeah. Why is the movie called Rise of Skywalker? Uh, it's because literally, it's because Ben crawled out of a hole. AKA rising. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's that's actually it. Because he rose, he di- he went down Kylo Ren and he rose as a Skywalker. No, he that didn't is go down as Kylo Ren. He became he became Ben when someone simply said his name. Now if they had known that all it took to say it was because they were a dyad. No, that is not why he became a good guy. That whole movie, he's saying, I'm the bad guy, I'm unmovable, you come to me. And she's like, maybe I should. He was saying it, but he wasn't feeling it. Maybe I don't. You can tell he was conflicted. And then, all of a sudden, reshoot Han Solo comes in, goes, I don't even know I am in this movie. So much so that I'm going to make it very clear I'm not a force ghost. I'm just your memory talking to you. This scene was meant for Leia. This scene was supposed to be Leia. Uh, and then he, they just say his name, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a good guy now. He was tipping you. I'm a way. good guy now. Sure. Of course. Ah, he was tipping. He was conflicted. What? Here, here's, here's, another, here's another question. Why did they have to have a bunch of horses when they decided to land on a ship to blow up a weather vane? Why did you they know? need those ships because or those horses? Because it seems to me that they went into that fully knowing that they were going to slaughter all of their horses. Yeah, I think horses roll an extra die in combat. No, that no. was terrible. That was that, terrible. I'll give you, I'll give you about, that was okay, the worst joke. How about Finn yeah. twice in the movie? He goes, I've got something very important to tell you. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He never says anything. There's nothing. There's nothing uh, to and it. Have you seen the interviews with JJ? No. He won't admit to what it is. Of course he's he like, won't. He's like, he's kind of trying to say he was force sensitive. And it's like, oh, no, it was, you, didn't, it was you killed force sensitive, bro. It was bullshit. Here's, the thing. Here's, here's where the movie was pleasing to me. Uh, they wrote each other into boxes. Yeah. You know, they, they absolutely wrote each other into boxes. And, and uh, Ryan tried to do something that I thought was very smart, which was he realized, hey, they're going to try and make 20 more movies out of Star Wars. Right. Hey, you can't do more Luke and Skywalker. So he tried to, throughout his whole movie, say there are other paths. There's other ways. The Skywalkers. If you gave him nine, all the Skywalkers would have been dead for sure, and he would have had a new universe where it wasn't quite as powerful. Right. And you, but you would have had a lot more people. Sure. And that was what he was trying to set up. Sure. JJ gave you with episode seven. He gave you episode four point five. Right. Yes. He was like, you like nostalgia. Right. But the fans were like, we like nostalgia, but we don't like girls. And so Ryan was like, okay. You're mad at nostalgia. You're all mad. How about I give you new? And then the fans were like, we don't like new. We like nostalgia. And still don't like girls. And we st- well, we still don't like girls. And then JJ comes back, and you're like, well, all right, man. So if you're Disney, if you're the guys behind this, you go, hey, man, can you just get me out of this thing for old time's sake? And that's what he was tasked with doing. He walked into a room with angry people on both sides and was given the task of closing out one of the most influential, iconic Forces of all time. It's essentially two good movies that we've argued about for 30 years. Uh, but he was given that task, and with what, with the tools he had, and with what was in front of him, and with the nasty, terrible fan base that it is, I felt this was as good as could have been done. I will say, I thought it was a... F- he did a couple funny fuck yous to Johnson. That was kind of he inside did. baseball. He did. Uh, I even joked with you about Nine, where is the first scene going to be uh, Kylo angrily gluing his helmet back together? And, and it sure was. enough... And it was. It was. So, so, but here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not judging a movie based off of the backstory of what happened behind the scenes. I want to watch a movie based on face value of what the movie is. And, and side by side, Mandalorian told a complete story that was interesting, that had logic, that actually made sense. That Okay, explain to me. Explain to me why. The Emperor Palpatine goes, if you cleanly chop my head off really quick, no big, you become the ultimate evil. Yeah, yeah. But if you slowly torture me to death, you will retain your soul well, and be a hero I in the whole gotta, galaxy. So I think Star Wars, you got to look like a $300 paint job on uh-huh, a car, uh-huh. right? You drive past, you go, shit, that was red. That's Star Wars. But when you start looking at it, you're like, oh, did they use spray paint and some nail polish? And like, is this all held together? Because like four, five, and part of the love of four, five, and six is that's been gone in every other movie is they're very incompetent. Yes. There is a huge... Um, not only is Han and Luke a ragtag team, the storytelling and the pacing, like, it's all bad, and, like, the logic is bad, and there's sister kissing, and there's, like, so much you could tell about. But what, what shines through is the fun and the spirit, and what's been lost in episodes one, two, three, and seven, eight, nine is they've become very 
polished and, and corporate and hit the beats and do the things. It was not fun. It, episode nine was not fun. It was the opposite of fun. It was people constantly looking at each other and going, this is the last time I'm going to say that I like you. Well, oh, this is the Babu last time Yaka I'm going to say it. Come was on. So, it was, that had he you... was the only character I liked. Oh, Babu Frick? Yeah, Babu Frick. He was the gone. only fun he's character gone. in the whole thing. Yeah. All right, here's another question. Leia, Leia tells Ray she wants her to have her lightsaber, which they suddenly retconned that Leia was a full force Jedi right, in, in yeah. one five second scene, yeah. which no time goes against well, everything lose, else. That you we've lost seen. Leia. I mean, so, come on. So she would handed, have told you so that if she was alive. Okay, but she's given Leia's lightsaber. She goes, right. "I want you to," or, or Luke says, "She would want you to have this." Right? She's got the lightsaber. Now, she's also deciding after an entire movie that the, what I gathered was the point of the movie, the, the thesis of the movie is it doesn't matter what your lineage is. It matters what you choose to mm-hmm. do and where your spirit is. Right. So, so sh- with that knowledge and with knowing that, that Luke and Leia want her to have their weapons, their lightsabers, yeah. she decides the best thing to do is fuck my legacy, even though I've been told to embrace uh, my name and just and live my own life, I'm going to go ahead and just change my name to Skywalker for an arbitrary reason. And then I'm going lame. to then I'm going to bury the lightsabers, which they both told me they wanted me to have right. on the one planet they would never want it to be. Luke hated Tatooine. Luke mm-hmm. wanted to get off Tatooine more than anything in his entire life twice. Because he went back and said, I fucking hate it here. And then it was also the planet where Leia was enslaved and put in skimpy armor by a giant slug monster. Neither of them would have, A, wanted her to get rid of her weapons, their weapons, or B, wanted them to do it in literally the nastiest hellhole either of them ever went to. Yeah, I hear you on these moments, and I wish she had said Palpatine at the end. I would have been really happy. I thought that I, that would have been really nice if she was like, I, there, honestly, you the, can over, it would have been a good statement to say you can overcome your lineage if yes. she just said i'm gonna wear it that i'm a palpatine I'm like that would have been cool but you know again and i guess i get it that you know you want to say you don't go into a movie thinking all these things but i went into that movie going there's no fucking way that any of this is going to do anything and then I, I watched it and i said you know what that was star wars they they had the big moments they had some jokes they had the things they had the characters it it was an impossible corner that he was forced into <laughs> and uh, I thought it was a, a there was no way that was going to make the fans happy. I think the best thing that happened was that it completed. There will be no episode ten. You will have oh, to do new, no stuff. Oh yes, there will. Oh, I'm I'm. You, oh yes, I'm done will. at nine. I, I you am, may be I, done. This is my stop. But, okay. I have, I've said thank you, JJ. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate everything you've done. I now realize I'm I'm done with. Like Star Wars, like this was so ending all like, my characters. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that you enjoyed the movie more because it it freed you from the shackles of yes, having to watch Star yes. Wars. Yes, and I think it that, should. But that doesn't so make it a good. But that doesn't make it better than Mandalorian. I, well, Mandalorian is just bad. But I can't like Mandalorian. I just don't like it. This we, was still Star what Wars. What we watched in Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise but, of Palpatine was literally JJ chewing off his own arm to escape from a bear trap. Uh, yeah, yeah true, that is what true, happened. But all right, so Mandalorian, but, we saw John Favreau come up with a really cool idea. And then he got busy and had he to step away. And, and then he had to step away, was, and somebody filled in the a, middle. And then a, he came back at the end and finished the it story. Was a derivative, like there was never. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't shocked with with Mandalorian. I was bo- I was bored more often than not. The stakes were. <sighs> no, it was so you fun. can't make give me the stakes of a shoulder pad. Then the stakes of an egg. Then uh, then you finally have the decision. So episode okay. So episode three. Sorry. So I had to sit through 
two episodes I did not like. Mm. To get to episode three, which I still knew where it was going, but at least it was exciting and he gave me all my action figures. Like, episode three was the reason for all those gadgets that Boba Fett had that never got used. And yeah. I was like, yeah, they finally got used. Woo! Well, yeah, because so they watched the old movies and they said, how can we further build out this yeah, universe? Yeah, so they had fun. So four was a clunker. They go to that planet. Very dull. It's it's basically Ewok fighting against ATSTs. Sure. And, yeah, ATSTs. Five was was terrible. Six was terrible. Right, well, we'll uh, you know, those are just throwaway. They're complete throwaway episodes. They're so completely throwaway. And I know you're saying the you're, you're picking this little thing. First and going, half yes, of Rise of Skywalker was throwaway. Yeah, they they had to go get a knife. Man, it was, they it was had good. to get a knife. That was Star Wars, they, though. No, that was terrible. I mean, that look, was terrible. Return of the Jedi has a big scene with a yeti, you know, and then he's freezing the snow. I mean, no, that's Empire Strikes Back, and that's a fantastic movie. The Wampa is cool and scary. It's cool. It's fun, but. But it's like there's still this dead time where it's not like it can't all be in the pocket. But and then seven, eight, fine of Mandalorian. But like so three out of five episode, three out of eight. OK, so that's about the same grade you might give Rise of, Rise of, uh, well, I enjoyed, Rise of Tomatoes. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed almost all of the episodes. OK, yeah. See, I, I, I really were a lot of four, fun. five, six were I mean, one, two, four, five, six. So for the first seven weeks, I liked one episode of that show i found one kind of compelling and even that one had no surprises for me but so it, it was just a, a complete story that didn't have baffling batshit logic that makes no sense i, I like thought to it watch, had baffling i try logic. to watch I thought, things i thought bounce planet bouncing around planets and doing the same fetch quest bullshit for your broken ship to keep it going firefly that's Firefly. I, I don't like Firefly either. All right. Uh, so okay. this is just a matter of your taste. You don't like good things. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing that, uh, like... To, Knives to, Out was good. To re- I like Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Knives Out was fantastic. Yeah, All right, we yeah. can agree there. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing about Rise of Palpatine that just just crushed me is that the the entire time I was watching it, some movies that are stupid, like we watch, we, we haven't even talked about Cats. Uh, no we time, went, no we went and watched Cats ironically. Broke my brain. I can watch something like Cats knowing it, watching it like Gilligan's Island, where right, I'm like, sure. this is terrible, this is stupid, nothing's yeah. going to make sense, and I can just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Star Wars, especially trying to round out a trilogy like this, trying to, to put the capstone on something, and I know you didn't like Endgame, but I, and, and I think most people I've talked to agree that Endgame was a fantastic um, capstone to, to the Marvel Snoozer. and MCU up until this point. Um, it's just to show that it can be done right, that you can, you can give a satisfying payoff and a conclusion. Um, the Star Wars, I ended up watching it and, and, and hate watching it the same way that I did Jupiter Ascending, or mm. Suicide Squad. Mm. I would I lump it. Yeah. I would lump it well, right movies, next yeah. to both of yeah. those movies, where every single minute of the movie, my brain is screaming at me, "Why the fuck are they doing any of this? Why yeah. is Carrie Russell trying to build up this story about some super magic pendant that can get you anywhere, and then how important it is to her, and then a minute later she decides it's not important to her, and she gives it to them, and then they use it oh, to she was go fun. into." Then they she was great. then they have it where they go into um, a ship where they're immediately caught and they go literally step out of the ship shooting enemies. So like if they had just flown towards the ship, they would have been caught in a tractor beam and be brought in, and we would have gotten the exact same thing. But instead, from the JJ man. but instead we had to introduce another new character. She was great though. No, she so wasn't. Fun. No, she so wasn't. Fun. I would have rather learned anything laughs. else about uh, uh, Finn, Finn Who, or Poe. 
God damn it. You can't, you can't keep doing this. Rose, Rose's story was good, though. Rose, right? Rose had nothing. Rose had nothing. They took all of these characters that they established and built up, and then they just threw all of their characters away character. in order to fun. try and create a bunch of new characters that had no bearing on anything. Again, from a business perspective, you threw in some new people to see who stuck, right? I mean, it's just that's, it's that's just what you were doing. You were it's you toys. Were, it's more well, not toys. even for toys. But the, the toy sales are terrible. I can tell you that right now. Um, no, it was it was to see what's going to stick and can we get another movie like this? Can it was get, a lot. Yeah. It was what are they are lost with what they're going to do with Star Wars? They, they don't know. No, they've no, managed they, it. They've poorly. ruined it. They're well, the fans have ruined it mostly, but they've not done well either. Um, but they, you know, they threw in a bunch of characters to see. Hey, do you guys care that there are? You know, defective start stormtroopers. You want to see that? Do you, do you hey, do you want to see Carrie Russell and coins and this mythos? They were throwing. They, they were, were throwing bo- at the same everything. time. They were closing instead something of and, putting yeah, a story it, together. I don't know. So as a as someone who watches things and sees that, like I was like, okay, I like get it. oh, cool. So we introduced a cute little new droid in BB-8. Can oh, we, I hated that thing. Can we do? Can we do it? Let's just just do it again. Let's just do it again. Oh, but also. Let's have it speak English because every other droid, save for one in the entirety of right. Star Wars. Oh, I hated that thing. Yeah. One droid who's human cyborg relations Correct. speaks English. Every single yeah, other you're droid. Yeah, you're a droid. Everywhere. You don't speak English, you dick. That was Toy Story speaks shit. bleeps and bloops. That was, toy, that that was the is, spork in Toy Story. That that's exactly canon. That's all I call him is sporky. That is the canon of Star yes, Wars. Absolutely. To break that entirely because yeah, you want to create another stupid, fun laughs, little yeah. droid that yeah. you want to sell more toys it was. It just strikes me as not not giving a shit, mm. trying to just put together a consumer product, and again yeah. doing something that makes no sense. It has no place in this universe. I didn't like him. It, it has no place in the universe. Now here's another question I had, and this is and and Mandalorian is guilty of this too. How long have Jedi been able to touch things and make them magically heal? I, uh, I did. I don't remember seeing that in the original trilogy. I don't remember seeing that in the prequel trilogy. I don't remember seeing that on Clone Wars or Rebels or in any video game. That's the Old Republic. You could heal. You had a spell that's like a uh, heal spell, uh, but uh, it's not. It's not the thing where they are like, I give just the life touch force you. Heal thing. I touch you, and you're suddenly yeah, all better. Uh, the, that's power sprawl that's going to happen in any movie, it though. Just seemed, any chain of movies. The power you can't. Bizarre. You have to up the stakes. You have to. You have to start. You know, star destroyer. You have a star planet. You have a star fleet of star it, destroyer. It just. Know, it whatever. It felt so bizarre and out of place in both in both things. It almost felt to me like they put it in Mandalorian just so that they could backdoor say, well, it happened in something else. Yeah. Uh, it almost felt like that was a something from from studio head saying, "Okay, Fabs, you got to put in touch healing because we've we're we wanted to give the little guy more power. Maybe how do you even move? Otherwise, it's just way too passive. So they made him active. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that that is one thing between the two of them where I was like, what? Yeah. When, when did this power start? Yeah. When did we get this? Yeah. But most importantly. I don't have to watch another Star Wars. You don't have to watch another Star Wars. You're, you are done. I'm going to watch more Mandalorian. I'm going to watch the next one. I don't have to watch that either. I am free. All right. Well, feels we're, good. We're sitting at an hour and 10. It's Normally, normal. we do a thing. Do, yeah. do we want to do a yeah. thing or do we want to? Let's just call it. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel super strongly about my thing okay. this week. So, All right. Okay. All right. Let's just call it here. Um, you know what? If you're going to go and see Star Wars, yeah. then you know what? Maybe you should shop at mattress firm as you serve it wow well <laughs> if you want to watch a story that that uh does set up and pay off well and does have good stakes like saving the city or uh not freezing to death in the back of a uh you know 
Morg Carr or uh, Saving Espo and Ryan. It, yeah, that's right. I'm talking about this new show I found. It's way better. Uh, it's called Castle. Oh, what's that on? It's on ABC. Oh, okay. Yeah. What time? Uh, I think Sundays at 4 a.m. right after that uh, infomercial with the guy with the, the real good sponges. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right check it out. Scrub Daddy. Yeah, right after Scrub Daddy. It's, okay. uh, then it's boom. You flow right into Castle. <laughs> it's awesome. Perfect. All right. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think that's it then. That's it. That's it.